On February the 6th, 1840, an important document was signed at Waitangi, known as Te Tiriti o Waitangi. This document was a covenant between the many hapu of Aotearoa and the British Crown. It acknowledged the ongoing authority of hapu to govern themselves, tino rangatiratanga, and created a new form of governance, kāwanatanga, that granted the Crown the right to govern non-Māori. Te Tiriti provides a framework for peaceful coexistence in a rapidly changing world. The story that had led up to this day was one of intrepid journeys, violence, drama and possibility. While there were instances of respectful cultural exchange and friendship, the assumption of superiority by European colonisers led to actions that created misunderstandings and mamai hurt that, for many, continue to this day. These episodes played out featuring a diverse cast of characters whose actions shaped our present day and will continue to reverberate into our future. In the early 1800s, an important chief in the Bay of Islands was Tipahi. Being a descendant of both Ngāti Awa and Ngāpuhi, he had significant mana over the land and people. He had several wives, four sons and three daughters who lived in Rangihoa Bay and Moturoa. His principal pa was on a small island called Tepuna. After hearing accounts of how advantageous trade was with Europeans and hospitable treatment and protection being offered by Governor King, he allowed his son Matara to visit Sydney in 1804. Matara returned home with many gifts, including pig breeding stock. In 1805, Te Pahi travelled to Port Jackson himself. In addition to discussing trade, he wanted to deal with the issue of the mistreatment which many Māori faced in the hands of European sea captains. Māori were being recruited or kidnapped by visiting ships as crew, but they were often treated very badly. An estimated 900 had been abandoned in New South Wales. As governor, King faced many challenges in the hard conditions of an early convict colony. He was very keen to establish a strong relationship with Te Pahi because of the safety and anchorage the chief could provide for Europeans visiting New Zealand to trade. Many gifts were exchanged. Iron tools, trees and pigs were among the gifts given to Te Pahi, who in turn presented Governor King with many fine cloaks and a stone mere. While staying at Government House, Te Pahi was eager to learn everything that could be useful to his people. He took particular interest in farming practices. What a sight it must have been. The six-foot-tall, full-faced tattooed Te Pahi and the uniformed, white-haired Governor King talking and working together to create opportunities for their peoples. While they had many common visions for the future, there were cultural aspects of the two races that appalled the other. One example was in the execution of justice. Te Pahi learned of a man who was to be hanged for stealing some pork. He considered this a great injustice and pleaded for the release of the man into his charge so he could take him back to New Zealand where it was not a crime to steal food. 
food was held in common and belonged to everyone. In contrast, British law demanded that a person's property, including food, be protected to the extent that theft could be punished by death. Because of Teipahi's desperate defence, the man was eventually pardoned. On the other hand, Europeans were perplexed at the consequences of those who breached mana or tapu and the seeming injustice of that. An insult could provoke death. However, despite vast differences in culture and custom, Te Pahi and Governor King still sought to find a way to work together for the benefit of all. Mm-hmm.